This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. The reigning American League Division champions head into 2020 with their sights set on bigger things. This is the show that keeps you plugged into that pursuit with all the news, moves, and more. It's the Twins Hot Stove Show, presented by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And here's your host of the Hot Stove Show, Chris Atterbury. Well, hello once again, Chris Atterbury, welcoming you to the Twins Hot Stove Show on a chilly day here across Twins territory. Twins Hot Stove Show is brought to you by Killiver's Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. We are very excited about our program today. Mike Bell, the Twins bench coach, new bench coach, will be in studio with us here for the Twins Hot Stove Show. A chance to get to know Mike, a guy you're going to hear a lot from throughout the course of the year, and a guy who's going to have a huge role in the 2020 Minnesota Twins. Uh, Derek Shelton was integral to the success of the club a year ago, wishing him the best in Pittsburgh. They've got a good one to manage their club. Well, Mike Bell interviewed for that Pittsburgh job, in fact, and has interviewed for a handful of jobs, comes from a baseball first family, one of five, three-generation uh, major league families, uh, and a really interesting guy, and we look forward to our conversation and getting to know Mike and his take on things here on the Hot Stove Show here today. So we appreciate you joining us, whether it's live via Facebook Live or across our fine network of stations across the region. Not a big week news-wise, but let's get to our baseball bulletin nonetheless. Our baseball bulletin is really an excuse just to play the sound of a keyboard for those of you who forgot what the sound of a typing keyboard might sound like. So let's get to the baseball news of note this week with our baseball bulletin. Cue the keyboard. Oh, there it is. Oh, that is a typewriter. If you don't know what one is, check out a museum. Not a ton of news right now. Things kind of in a holding pattern in terms of big news around the game, in particular with the Twins. Josh Donaldson is still out there. The Twins have made an offer, have not heard Obviously, dragging his feet a little bit uh, gives you the sense that Minnesota not his first pick, but that is all uh, still to play out. Also still to play out, Twins have not hired an assistant pitching coach, and that will be something to watch as they fill out Rocco Baldelli's staff, hopefully in the coming weeks. The coming weeks also will bring Winter Caravan. That's two weeks from now. And then, of course, Twins Fest will follow that. And before you know it, Everybody will be uh, lathering on the sunscreen down in Fort Myers. One bit of news with a former twin, Jason Castro, has found a home for that catching market. That, that never sleeps. Um, not surprising to see Castro sign a deal where he will join the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So a nice fit there for Jason Castro as they try to rebuild that staff and build around the uh, tremendous talent they have in the position player ranks with Otani. Uh, obviously Rendon joining the, the crew, Pujols still around, and that Mike Trout guy who I think has a chance to be a pretty good player. So good uh, news for Jason Castro and his family as they will be in Southern California. So that'll do it for our baseball bulletin. Again, not a lot of news this week. We do have, of course, our What's Brewing competition each and every week. So why don't we give away a Killebrew Root Beer prize pack, and we're going to give it away 
to Eric Billings. Now, if you recall, our question last week was fairly open-ended. It was, who is the biggest threat to the Minnesota Twins in terms of repeating as Central Division champions? To be honest, when we bandied that about like volleyball here in the studio, we thought we'd get a whole bunch of Chicago White Sox. We didn't get a lot of Chicago White Sox. We got some. Cleveland is still uh, floating around with great pitching, Lindor, Ramirez. But Eric Billings gave us our best answer. Uh, So Eric Billings is going to win a Killebrew Root Beer Prize Pack. And Eric uh, wrote this via Twitter to at Twins Radio and hashtag Twins Radio, how you play our What's Brewing game. And I quote, the 2020 Twins biggest threat, the 2019 Twins expectations of success and the departure of veterans and leaders and he throws out Derek Shelton as an example create adversity how do the twins respond will determine the trajectory of the franchise for this year and seasons to come well thought out interesting creative for that Eric Billings is our winner in our hot stove what's brewing competition so congratulations to Eric he's got a killer brew root beer prize pack on the way and if you'd like to win one your chance is now because here is our question for this week with the biggest news around baseball as we kind of have slowed in terms of free agent signings is when and probably soon will major league baseball make some sort of a ruling and hand down some sort of a punishment to the houston astros in regards to the sign stealing scandal of course more news breaking this week that the world champion red sox were decoding sign sequences using their replay room and now another investigation that came a year after the Red Sox had been slapped on the wrist along with the Yankees in using electronic devices. There was an Apple Watch in the dugout uh, and the commissioner uh, who's had a rough offseason to say the least. Well, he has to make a statement. Now, it's also confusing because he works for the owners. Do you punish an owner? Uh, Do you punish them fiscally, as Jeff Passon has suggested uh, from ESPN.com? Do you punish them uh, punitively by trying to strip things that they have done? Or or is it managers? Is it coaches who are punished? A lot of things on the table, but obviously a strong deterrent is needed. And it's a hot topic of conversation around the game. And we expect to find out what the commissioner is going to rule very, very shortly. Our question is, if you're the commissioner, what do you do with the information at hand? Now, obviously, you haven't interviewed everybody the way the league office has. But if you are the commissioner of baseball, what is your punishment to the Houston Astros and perhaps the Boston Red Sox? What would you do? What do you think is fair? What do you think is good for the game? Because the perception that the game is rigged or the teams are cheating, that is always going to have a a big, big, big time negative impact on everybody across the game. So you're the commissioner for a day and you are tasked with uh, rendering a verdict in the sign stealing uh, situation. What punishment do you dole out? It's uh, at Twins Radio, hashtag Twins Radio. So that's our What's Brewing contest. In the meantime, we've got Mike Bell knocking on our door quite literally. He will be in studio next as the Twins Hot Stove Show continues right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Well, welcome back indeed to the Twins Hot Stove Show. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, and we are very excited to have Twins bench coach Mike Bell in studio with us. Not only excited that he's here in studio for the Hot Stove Show, but also simply excited to have Mike Bell as part of this organization. And, Mike, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Unfortunately, we've got some time to do that. I'm going to work backwards. I think everyone knows your bloodlines, and we're going to get to know you as a person. But I want to start with the actual job because the job of bench coach uh, has changed a lot Uh, through the course of time. A bench coach has been the manager's best friend, the manager's golf buddy, drinking partner, the (laughs) analytical mind, sometimes the puppeteer pulling the strings. It can be a lot of different things. I think what we've seen here in the structure that Derek and Thad have have brought on board and with Rocco uh, and and his full buy-in is that the bench coach job here 
I think is is beyond even the title of, of what you have on, say, your business card or your office door. Explain to us how you perceive what this job is, because I think there there can be some misperceptions about exactly what this job is. Yeah, I, I, I think it's something I, I'm still uh, wrapping my head around. It's it's why I came in uh, last week. I wanted to be around a, as, as many people from the organization as possible, from uh, the front office. I, I've met HR. I've met payroll. I've, I've, I've met, uh, fortunately, yesterday, a group of minor league uh, coaches came in, and I sat with them, and they did a, an, somewhat of an education program on on how they talk about players, how they evaluate them. I'm trying to get to know as much about the organization as possible. And, and the same with Rocco. And I, and I think my strategy going into this is, you know, where can I help? <laughs> where can I help the, the people around me best? Where can I help the players best? Uh, is there any, is there any places where I can um, kind of squeeze in and fill a hole or fill a void um, sure, I want to be close with Rocco. I want to be friends with him. I've, I've heard this organization use use the term partner uh, multiple times from when Rocco was hired last year uh, to, to this position I'm in now. And, and I want to be close with Rocco and, and help where he doesn't have time. Uh, could be connecting with, with players, could be connecting with uh, the media, the front office, the fans. Uh, and certainly, and most importantly, the, the players and, and making sure that they have what they need every day. And one thing that is very certain, collaboration is big. We, we teased Derek and Thad and Rock about the, <laughs> the use of that word, but yes men need not apply. Right. This is not a role where, where they're looking for someone to say, yeah, right, Skip, whatever you say. I mean, it is about getting different perspectives and ideas and throwing them all out there to be considered. Right, and I'm excited about that. I it didn't happen yesterday. I was in uh, with with the minor league coaches, and you know, it was an area I was I, at first I was a little bit uncomfortable just because of my previous job as a as a farm director uh, to to walk into a a meeting where the the farm director is is talking to his staff and and then they're asking me questions. I you know I certainly didn't want anybody to think <laughs> I was like evaluating them. I was simply trying to learn, but. Right away, they, they wanted my opinion. Um, there's been a couple times that the front office has asked me questions about certain players or certain people. Uh, Rocco has multiple times just in terms of how spring training's run. Nate Dahman, who does a fantastic job with, with spring training and how that's run, uh, just asking for opinions. Josh Kalk has done the same. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that is something that's intriguing. I'm, I'm especially excited uh, to have an opinion on those things, especially once I, I know exactly what's been done here in the past and what's been su- so successful here in the past. Mike Bell, Twins new bench coach, joining us in studio on the Twins Hot Stove Show. Now you are uniquely situated to take such a, a vaguely described role because you've literally had almost every job you can have in the game. You played minor leagues and major leagues. You coached. You managed. You've been in the front office. You've run a farm system. You've managed people, both massive amounts of players, but also staff. Uh, you've run development. You were probably a guy who washed socks when you were a little kid at some point <laughs> in the clubhouse. Uh, so I would think the variety of experience you have uh, would lend itself to being, as you said, a guy who could fill cracks uh, in a variety of ways. That's right. I, it, and I don't think you know exactly how the role is going to take shape until you get in and start doing it. I, I've learned so much here in the last five days uh, every team does things differently um, I, I spent I've spent hours now with Josh Kalk and and just to hear him talk about 
um, you know, how things are done here. I, I, I don't know where it's going to go, where it's going to lead to. And that's what's so exciting. Um, it, and the more I'm around, uh, the more people I meet, uh, I get to go uh, to Rhode Island here in a, in a few hours and, and spend a couple of days with Rocco and, and, and try to understand his vision for the culture here and, and what was so successful last year and, and how I can help push that forward, uh, continue to push it forward and maybe add a, a, you know, some of my personality to it too. So uh, yeah, I, I've, I've done a lot of different things, but I've been surrounded by such great people. Sometimes I feel like they did it all. We, you know, we just, <laughs> I was fortunate to be around really good people in, in the past. And, um, I think I think we had hired well, and then elevating them and and letting them take it and run with it, and to some degree, that's that's what I envision here. Well, and on that note, so in your span in Arizona, you worked under a lot of different regimes with very different mindsets, approaches, personalities. But the fact that you were able to be a constant under so many different ways of looking at things, I, I would think that only adds to your ability to see things in a multiplicity of ways. Yeah. I, I enjoy working with people like it, it, at any level, you know, there was, there was times throughout those, those years that uh, I was, had more input. There was times I had less, uh, and I just looked at each group as a learning opportunity and I wanted to understand what their vision was for the organization. And I, I wanted to help push that, that vision forward throughout the, the minor league system and in the organization. And, uh, along the way, I got to, to meet some incredible people from uh, Josh Burns, who I stay in, in contact with now, or A.J. Hinch, or Kevin Towers, incredible man. Uh, Jerry DePoto, who is a very smart guy. I got to be close with him. Uh, Dave Stewart, Tony LaRusse. I mean, we're talking about Hall of Famers here. And then this last group with, with Mike Hayes and Jared Porter, Amiel Sade. Like, they're just fantastic people. Each group was so extremely different, and to learn – from each one of those I, I was I lived and worked <laughs> in the same place for a long time but I was exposed to a lot of different styles Mike Bell twins bench coach and the move back into a uniform uh, you're not the first in your family to do it because your brother David managing the Reds obviously he went from a similar role to yours in terms of development in a front office back into a, into a dugout you interviewed uh, for managerial jobs last year and this year why now to get back in the uniform uh what was that draw for you and why this job why this one because you've had opportunities to do other things and have had the ability to be selective about where you wanted to go right it, it man it's such a difficult question i i think when i made the choice to go in the front office some of it wasn't necessarily a choice i was a- asked to do it it was kind of where we were at as an organization and and i i was always pretty trusting of the my my bosses and the people I worked with and, and they asked me to do it and I wanted to help. And, but at that time I thought, man, I'm, I'm putting on, uh, you know, training baseball pants for khakis or, or, jeans, or I yeah. guess, uh, <laughs> jeans. I were pretty casual, <laughs> we were pretty casual, but I, I thought I, I made my bed. And then last year, Mike Hazen came to me a couple different times and, and, and said he thought, um, that I would be good back in the uni- in uniform as a manager or, or a different role which has to feel good coming from a new boss right it, i mean here's a guy who's just come in who's taking over who obviously respects you enough and wants your value that you're adding currently but also can recognize 
hey, you would be really good at this too. Yeah, it it, it was. I mean, it, it it did feel good. There was, and it wasn't just him. Uh, at times I thought, hey, you're trying to get me <laughs> <into something." laughs> What are you trying to do? <laughs> get me a little further away from you. But, uh, I, you know, it was coming from different organizations. And, and that was, I, I started to open up my eyes to it. I started to watch the game a little differently. Then when I, I interviewed, uh, especially in Texas, uh, John Daniels was in, in his group. We met with like 27 people. It was incredible. Uh, but their their culture and environment was was really strong and good, and I just felt a, a connection with them, and I and I could see myself in uniform in the dugout, uh, managing or coaching or or working with players uh, at that level, and that's when it all started to change for me. And then the last part of that question is why this job? Uh, I, I think it probably took about five minutes uh, when I met Rocco shook his hand at the winter meetings and by the time we got in a, a car to go have breakfast and it, I, just the connection um and it, it felt good it was probably three hours later and we both ate about half of our meal uh wait it, wait, wait. It, rocco it, never leaves half a meal so, somebody told me that too so <laughs> yeah we we uh we were we were talking and um it, it, the connection was so good it, it, then the next day met with derek and dad and Kate and, and Rob and, and then just kept going. Then it was it was Josh and Alex uh, Hassan. It, it 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 just felt better and better and better. And by the time I left, I was really hopeful it'd work out the way it did. And there has to also be something there in the fact that this is an organization who's been very upfront. Thad and Derek have said it out loud on this show and in many other places. We want our staff members to to grow, and we want to see them if they want to manage hey we'll use you here as much as we can but we're going to do everything we can to help you manage somewhere else when the opportunity is right so to know that you were coming to a place where you were probably in a pretty good launching seat if you do a good job to, to go off and continue to pursue the managerial thing right uh y- yeah i it's that's something i haven't thought about a lot though this this job isn't uh the means to an end like if if i don't manage I, i'm not gonna look like i've made the but it's also not one that's put in shackles where the, hey we it, want you exactly. to do one thing and just stay in your little lane because they want you to grow and continue to, to push it, it, exactly the, probably the most empowering thing was i could sit in that room and i think sometimes people think oh you're a farm director you manage 250 players 100 staff and you know you you've coached you've done like that that you're going to be able to just jump in right away and, and not have any growing pains and and i think i was able to be myself one, um, talk with Rocco, Derek and Thad uh, about what I know and what I don't know. And and, um, and they were excited about that. I, I think um, my ability to be honest with them and, and their excitement to help teach me and, and grow me along the way. And it started right away uh, when I walked in or met Josh Koch for, for breakfast and, and started working through some of the things that I view as could potentially be hurdles early on, and we've had a nice jump start on those. Mike Bell is the Twins bench coach, and of course he uh, joins us here in studio on the Twins Hot Stove Show. All right, we let's talk family because you are in the family business, and uh, that's that's a benefit for the Twins now because you're staying in the family business. You are one of five three-generation Major League families, um, and you are a guy who has grown up in the game. How much of an impact can that have? Is it even possible to wrap your arms around it? Or for you, was that just how it always was? 
probably more just how it was i you know i remember growing up it, it you know with my dad and and brothers and he would take us everywhere you know we would every now and then he would get us out of school a little <laughs> early we we, we took off for spring training for the whole month and a half. Uh, we went to the ballpark with him. We we stayed stayed with him till after the game, till God knows when. It was a little different era then. Uh, I, I just thought it was the way it was. And you know, people ask, "Would you would you learn there? You know, did they teach you anything?" I think you just absorb mm -hmm. what it's like. Uh, you know how how you're supposed to interact. You know the importance of being a good teammate, uh, caring about each other. Uh, the the love for the game I think those are the big things every now and then I'll, I'll kind of step back you know sometimes it's when my son says something to me or he'll send me a uh, a picture an old picture of my my uh, dad or grandpa or you know he'll, I think he told me his war numbers close to Adrian Beltre <laughs> you know di different things like that I'm like wow that that's pretty cool and uh, the best thing about it is it kept us all close so we've we've all been in the game uh, even our, our younger brother, who's not in the game currently, but played, uh, he's still very involved in, in the Reds because he lives in, in Cincinnati and he still loves the game. We talk to him, but I talk to my dad and, and brother sometimes daily. Yeah, and the, obviously Buddy, your father, is still with the Reds in executive role. David, the, the fine manager there. And you mentioned family, and I believe as the story tells it, your grandfather, Gus, who's in the Reds Hall of Fame, ended up with the Reds because he was with Pittsburgh and said, I want my family with me all the time. And it wasn't going to work out there, so he said, "I'm go we're going to do it in Cincinnati." Then. It's that's exactly right. I don't think it went too well <laughs> in, in in Pittsburgh because he did have his family around a lot, and in uh, the office there didn't didn't care for that style too much, and and they let him go basically. I I don't what know. What a testament to yeah. him as a human being, though. Yeah, and yeah. uh, that's just how he. That's how my dad's always been with with us kids, and. He's gonna he's gonna take us and he's gonna make sure that that we know how to act in the clubhouse. I remember being a kid and and you know we we knew how to act. You know when, when the team was in town, we sat by him quietly at the locker or, or in the clubhouse. And when they were on the field, we we ran around like like wild men. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean he taught us what it was supposed to look like, how you're supposed to act around the clubhouse. And as you were just telling me, maybe most importantly of all the Bell family members is you actually have a sister who happens to, oh, by the way, live about 10 miles from the ballpark here. Yeah, it, it's just worked out beautifully. I, you know, last week early on, we spent, my, my wife and youngest daughter spent uh, a few days with, with her. I mean, it's literally 10 miles from the ballpark. <laughs> uh, it's, it's easy to, to and from. Uh, but we've always been super close, been really close with my sister for, for a long time, forever. And, um, you know, I'll probably even see her at lunch today before I take off. But just all those connections, it's, sometimes it, it seems like it's just too good to be true. We talk about families in baseball, and I think about our own Roy Smalley, whose uncle, he played for his uncle Gene Mock, and his dad played. And uh, I think of C.J. Crone, who was here last year. And I want to get back to that because I thought it was maybe the coolest story in baseball all of last year. And you were integrally involved. Yeah, yeah. When Kevin got to hear from his father, who was his manager and also a big leaguer, that he was going to the big leagues. To me, and, and CJ's not a super emotional guy who was going to gush about it, to me that had to be one of the single coolest moments of the entirety of 2019. And you probably got to be the guy to tell Chris Crone that he was calling up his son. 
I, I did, and I've been thinking about it a while, and I am a little bit more emotional, and sometimes <laughs> I start to think about that, and, you know, you remember different times in your career, and it's like, wow, this is about to happen for this kid and this dad, and uh, I, I'm really close with, with Chris. Um, he was my manager in uh, 2001 and 2002, uh, and then I brought him to the Diamondbacks, so we've been super close. I remember CJ and Kevin in the clubhouse in Colorado Springs when they were they were young, very young kids. And I know you were going to say young and not little because they've never they've, been little. I, I caught myself. <laughs> um, so I was in El Paso, and I knew it was getting close. It had been talked about a little bit. And I always – I never saying to anybody, I never say, hey, just give them a heads up. Or I, I always – it's just the way I like to do it. So my son happened to be in town with me. He was traveling with me. He's He was 18 at the time. But so I kept telling my son, though, like – hopefully this will happen and sure enough they called me at my hotel and said he's going to the big leagues and he's got to get to the airport within like hour and a half so there was no time I couldn't get over to his hotel so I unfortunately I had to tell Chris on the phone which might have been good because I was starting to get choked up a little I'm bit so choked I, up hearing you tell yeah, it so I was able to end the conversation <laughs> soon I could hear his dad I'm like oh my gosh you know and uh and so then Chris went to his son's room, Kevin, and told him. And nobody was in the room. This is might be my favorite part of it. Uh, nobody's in the room. He he told his son there was no big celebration in the clubhouse. And like right away, people were asking, "Did you get video? Did you get video?" And I said, "No." And that's the most beautiful part about yeah. it. He could tell his son without having to worry about an audience around them, not having to worry about a camera, like which has gotten so popular. It was just, it was a, it was a father and a son having a moment that, that nobody else needs to know or to feel it. And then, of course, I saw him at the ballpark. I'm starting to get choked up. <laughs> I am too, he, just he, hearing it. He's, I, you know, gave him a big hug. And it was almost to a man because, you know, the family, they're, yeah. they're good people. Every player came up and gave him a hug, and it was it was so neat to, and, to be there. And you think about, and what people maybe don't realize, they think of the glamour of this industry, and you know all too well, baseball at its soul is not a glamorous way of life. No. And when your parent works in baseball, there's a lot of missed Little League games, yep. and there's a lot of missed meals, and there's a lot of non-vacations. And so you try to get that time together, which your family obviously made a priority, which the Crones made a priority. But then to see that ultimate dream come to fruition and share it, man, I can't even imagine. It's uh, just so special. I'm so happy for that fam. I mean, they're they're just good people to see it, to to watch those those kids grow up. You know, I don't, I'm not wasn't as close with CJ, but I've had some time with him. I've gotten to be really close with with Kevin. Uh, I, I think we had a lot of similarities, you know, when you have a, a parent in, in baseball, professional baseball, there, there is a, I don't think you'd know it until you're 40 sometimes, but there was a different pressure, you know, you, mm -hmm. you didn't want to let your family down, you know, I'm sure some degree my son goes through it and you hate that for him. Uh, but so when it works out, it, it just, you know, how, how hard it was at times and, and to see that was just beautiful. You mentioned that it comes with a little bit of pressure, and it was just kind of the way it was for you, and you were very gifted, and you obviously love the game. Did you ever feel like you could come home and say, hey, Mom, Dad, eh, baseball's not for me. I think I want to be a painter. <laughs> uh, I, I When I was a kid, I didn't feel that too much. I mean, it was it, game was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, as I got into 
my minor league career, a lot of ups and downs and a lot of strikeouts and errors, <laughs> you know, the, the years start to add up. And, and uh, finally, I, I actually did get to that point. I was only 22. I was in big league camp. I was in AAA and, uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, Rick Dempsey was my manager. I, I went home one game. I said, I'm done like this. I, you know, just the, the stress of it, the, you know, emotionally it was, it was a challenge. And I don't, I don't think I was worried to tell my dad, my dad's very loving. I can be very open and honest with him, but you know, I thought I would get kind of the traditional, you know, you got to get through it, you know, just grind through it, that type of thing. And he, he said, you know, he goes, maybe that is the right move you need to go in and talk to them about it. And if that's what happens, you, I, I love you. Uh, we'll figure it out. You're going to be good at whatever you decide to do. And it, it was a relief. And, uh, I did tell the Mets and it, you know, I, I, I figured out a way I learned through that period of time, uh, with being honest with people, but, but it was nice when I was able to be honest with my dad and feel that love and support from him. How much do those experiences that you talk about, the painful ones, help you relate to players as a coach, as a farm director? Because it wasn't all smooth sailing. Uh, and it never is for a vast majority of people who put a uniform on. Yeah, at the moment, like when I was going through those, um, I think I made 53 errors and uh, Charleston, South Carolina, my second year. And... Um, it basically shut me down the last two weeks. Just I, I, I think I was real close to breaking all kinds of records. But uh, so from that to you know kind of grinding through that, having some success, and then you know feeling some failures. I bounced around. I was drafting expansion draft, traded a couple times, and uh, and, and then when things uh, really started to weigh me down, and and with the Mets as a young kid, I, I it, it was hard. Um, and I wanted that pain to be taken away for sure. And fortunately I had people around me, uh, that, that encouraged me to, to use that, to help teammates. Um, and so from, a from a fairly early age of my career, I was, I was pretty open and honest with my teammates. And, um, I, I, I think I got a lot closer to people because of that. And, and now, I mean, geez, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't have traded that in for a 10 year major league career. And I know it sounds crazy, uh, but I think it's allowed me to be more sensitive to what my kids are going through, um, and, and, and to these players. And it's harder now to be a player than it was when I was playing, you know, just the, the pressure the, the social media, mm-hmm. the fans, the attention that they get it. It's, I can't imagine playing in this day and age, but hopefully I can, um, I, I don't think they care to hear my story, but at least my story allows me to be sensitive to what they're going through. Which, again, uh, you can hear in the way you're telling that story why you and Rocco didn't get through your meals. Because <laughs> I think there's a there's a shared mindset there of looking forward and, and helping other people. Last question here with Mike Bell, the Twins bench coach, in our, our segment here on the Twins Hot Stove Show. I remember having a conversation with Josh Renicky when he was a twin, and he came from a baseball family, and there were uncles and the dads and siblings. And I asked him once, yeah, what's like Thanksgiving like? Like, does the touch football game turn into a free for all? And he's talking about these volleyball games where mom's spiking it on dad. And what what about a Bell family get together? Was it always from a young age a highly competitive affair? Now you're you're rumored to be the more laid back of the <laughs> the Bell brothers. David maybe a little more fiery at times yeah. uh, in in the public sphere. But d- did that the Bell family gatherings always turn into some sort of competition? When we were younger, we played a lot. I mean, we 
we played hockey growing up for for a couple of years played a ton of basketball sort of always basketball games and one, a lot of one-on-one type stuff or we'd have friends over uh, during the holidays and have three-on-three tournaments and things like that it, you know as as we grew up and, and got older you know we just we talked a lot it, and it really was was pretty laid back but yeah we we did it all. I mean, my mom would go out of town. My dad would set up the, the family room in a square, and uh, we'd put headgear on and <laughs> fill our mouths with, with bubble gum, and we had gloves on. He'd play walkout music for us. And I'll tell you what, when you're when I'm eight and my brother's 10, that's not a fair fight. He was always <laughs> a little chubbier and chunkier and a little bit more uh, physical than I. I was real skinny. And You learned I, early why they have weight I, classes. Oh, my God. I had no chance. I had no chance. So, um but yeah, we d- we did a lot of lot of fun things together. We were competitive with each other, um, but, but we we loved each uh, other. I, I mean, it, we're best friends. Um, we got to train and work out together in the off season. Ton of basketball, which uh, I wouldn't advise people to do now. <laughs> Those games would get pretty heated. That was yeah. our warm up. Our warm up <laughs> would, would turn into a two hour workout on the court, but. Uh, yeah, I I love my brothers and my family, and it's the game has has afforded us the opportunity to keep us close. Visions of you with the gloves and the bubblegum mouthpiece. That reminds uh-huh. me, Drew Butera told me that when his parents would go out, he would make his sister, who went on to a college soccer career, put on the catching gear. Yeah. And then he would try to knock her over at home plate, like have yeah. home plate collisions, and then they'd switch, yeah. and she'd try to crush him in the living room uh, with home plate uh, collisions. That's so, beautiful. Uh, yeah. It's the way it should be. All right, yeah. Mike Bell's got one final segment. He's going to take three cuts with us when we return to the Twins Hot Stove Show on your home for Twins Baseball. It's our final segment here on the Twins Hot Stove Show. A little cold outside, but fear not. Warming up tomorrow and caravan just around the corner. Twins Fest just around the corner, which means spring training is just around the corner, so you can check out your spring training tickets. You can get tickets for opening day, and you can join us here to chat a little bit more with Mike Bell, the Twins bench coach, and a wonderful acquisition to the Twins staff. Great to have Mike Bell in studio. And, Mike, we finish up the show with three cuts, which is a chance for you to get in the cage a little bit here and just answer a couple of softball questions, uh, as it were. You had two home runs. This is how we're going to start. Two home runs in the big leagues. Do you remember them both vividly? Uh, Steve Klein and Curtis Laskanik. You got it. It's easy to remember, too. <laughs> <laughs> Walk me through it. Klein, Montreal, Steve, right? Yeah, it was in. It was that was pretty cool. I I just got called up as in September, so it was a, it was the second time in Cincinnati, your hometown. In Cincinnati, and uh, I, I don't remember if it was part of a double switch or a pinch hit. I I I think it was a pinch hit, but I, I don't. I don't really know. I'd faced Steve Klein before earlier. He in had his... the dirty hat, right? Was yeah, he the dirty. Really I, dirty I still see him all, all <laughs> the time. Yeah, uh, really good stuff. He had some some good years uh, with with Montreal, and yeah, I, I I ran into one and hit a homer, <laughs> and and I, you know, running the bases. I got my family there, and I, I mean, I, I one thing I re- remember is like running around and I shaking Ron Oster's hand at third base, and I I grew up in the clubhouse with. My dad and his good friend Ron Oster, Billy Dorn, who was in, who was the farm director at the time, but to shake his hand, um, cross home plate. I, I think I gave Chris Sexton a high five, who uh, was another Cincinnati guy. I went to uh, St. Xavier in, in Cincinnati, and I think I have that picture somewhere. But that was pretty cool because it's your your town. I mean, you grew yeah. up there. Your your grandpa's in the Hall of Fame. Your dad was there. Your brother's there. Now they're again. I mean, it had to add 
I mean, you hit that home run in a Reds uniform probably a thousand times as a little kid. Yeah, I mean, it's, geez, I, I went to Bowler High School in Cincinnati. Uh, the official scorer in Cincinnati, Ron Roth, is my little league coach and and dear friend, mentor, you know, kind of second father in a way, and he's in the press box. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, yeah it, was, it was amazing. You uh, have the ball? I, I probably somewhere probably I'm so bad somewhere. at that stuff. We used to get balls with Hall of Famers on. Oh. We go in the back and throw them against the wall. Exactly. It's like I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah. The, the one in uh, County Stadium. Yeah, it, and it was the last year, and there was only like five games left or something. So Laskanic was good. He Ooh, threw nasty. He threw hard, and um, it, that was a, a pretty good at bat. And I, I hit that one pretty good, and um, I. I I remember kind of running around. I got back in the dugout, and I was like, I could have just hit the last home run in Milwaukee County Stadium. My grandpa had a home run there. My dad had a home run there. My brother and I had a home run there. And I think that's, that's – I, awesome. I don't know how many families have done that. I don't really care, but at least to me that that was something that, that I'll re- remember, at least my contribution to the family. Mike Bell joining us here, Twins bench coach for three cats. Going back to your high school days, Archbishop Moeller, legendary legendary high school most recently we had alex wimmers who was a molar guy but there have been some big time talent coming out of uh, out of that school and you mentioned saint xavier where all the wolf boys went mm-hmm. uh but uh molar ken griffey jr obviously then there's three larkins yeah and there's three bells yeah. and i noticed that you both went into each family had a year where they went into the, the the high school hall of fame there in cincinnati as a group where you went in with both your brothers and where barry and byron and uh, and their brother went in as a group so I'm going to ask you this. If the Larkins, the three Larkins and the three Bells, we're going to have like a, an Olympics of sorts <laughs> with a variety of athletic activities. Yeah. Well, Byron Larkins. was a great basketball I, I'll, player. I'll stop you right You're there. Just gonna Larkins, stop it? <laughs> they were pretty talented. Larkins? I, I grew up watching uh, Byron play. A, great hoop player, right? Oh, my played gosh. Xavier. Unbelievable. Uh, I played with Steven a little bit. Great baseball player. He had a medical condition that, that kind of uh, kept him from, from getting into it. Uh, a heart condition, but everything's fine. Um, Mike Lark, I mean, it, that that family, well, they were athletes and unbelievable people. And, um, yeah, it's, it, for sure. Larkin's, Larkin's over the bells. Yeah. All right. Yeah. In a clear in a clear decision. Yeah. And finally, we're going to keep it in the family. We mentioned your son, uh, your oldest uh, of three, is Luke, mm-hmm. and a talented baseball player in his own right. He was one of the, the top right-handed pitchers in the state of Arizona. He's begun his college a baseball career. He had a great quote when he was a senior in high school about playing against his relatives. And he had a great line about how all of you guys were hitters, so you don't know anything about pitching. <laughs> but he mentioned that he would like to have an a, a bat with you. He would yeah. like to face you. How would that go? Oh, man. I, I, I can't... It, it's it, the older you get, the depth perception, it, it, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't go well. Uh, I... I, I'm having, I'm catching him now, and I'm having trouble with it. So big, is he big kid? He's big. He's six yeah. four, two hundred pounds. So uh, yeah, I mean it's it's tough to catch. I, 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 I think I'd have to cheat quite a bit, you know, and get the head out there. But uh, he's got a good breaking ball, so I, I think that's where he'd get me. And how did he not end up as a third baseman? I don't know. You know, he's, we started growing up, and you know, he's playing the field, and he he's kind of struggling hitting and as he was going I was like man you know what buddy you kind of hit like a pitcher why don't we start throwing a little bit more and uh yeah he's got a good arm he likes throwing the baseball and I, those are probably my best days um I 
I, I just enjoy playing catch with him. I, and it's probably good that I wasn't a pitcher because we just – it's almost like father and son, just throw me the ball, you know, I'll throw it back to you and you do your thing. And it's just it, – I love playing catch with him. Well, he's off on his own journey now. That's and right. as we mentioned, five three-generation families, never been a four-generation major league family yet. But maybe there's something out there that uh, we'll see. It, we'll it could see. happen. He's but smart. He's a lot smarter than us. We'll see what happens. Well, maybe he'll be in this chair instead. That's you, right. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> Mike, it's great to have you on board. Uh, thanks for stopping in, and we can't wait to watch uh, this whole new relationship unfold. And uh, I think the Twins got a whole lot better the day you decided to, to sign up. So we appreciate having thanks, you Thanks, Chris. Here. Thank you. That's Mike Bell. We're going to hear a lot more from him throughout the course of the year and on into the future. Right now, we bid adieu for the week, and we'll be back live on the Twins Hot Stove Show, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer again next week in advance of our live shows as we head out on Caravan the week after. So for our guest, Mike Bell, I want to thank him once again. Chris Atterbury saying so long and your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to the Twins Hot Stove Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of a Treasure Island Baseball Network.